Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 163 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 3rd of December 2017, entitled Two Eternal Abodes, A Place Called Hell, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 8. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Revelation chapter 21, we'd like to take our, our reading there once again. And of course, I will state this once again in the beginning. I realize the subject today is not a nice subject. I realize it's not a subject that is preached on. As a matter of fact, as we have gone through many of these series on contending for the faith, these things that we have to contend for, folks, it's not always easy. I understand that there are many churches and individuals today that would rather put these things aside. We spend a lot of time on the second coming of our Lord. A lot of churches like to say that he's coming, but they don't like to get specific about his coming because it can be controversial. We have been now for uh, some weeks looking at this two eternal abodes. There are only two places that people will spend eternity. Now, it was very easy to preach on the first one and to talk about heaven. But as we began last week to look at the other side of that coin, which is hell, it's not a nice subject. It's not an easy subject. I'm well aware that a lot of people don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, as they say. I realize that it can be a very controversial subject, but see, I said two things in the beginning. It's vital and it's important. The Bible has much to say about it. I gave you some numbers. I'll give you some more here in a bit. The Bible speaks a lot about it. And just because something isn't nice or comfortable, we like to stay in our comfort zones. Why is it important? Well, it's important, at least we even heard in testimony this morning, that God still uses it to deter people not to want to go there. And so we're not doing people a favor by pretending that hell doesn't exist uh, and just trying to put it on a shelf somewhere and pretend that it's not there. I'll be the first to admit, we we probably don't know everything that we think that we know about it. We don't really understand heaven or hell and all this there because they're a totally different world from where we are but God gives us a number of things. But it's vital that we understand what God has to say about the subject. Yes, some people that are lost, it is something that they need to realize and understand the real choice that they're making. And for you that are saved, it needs to do a couple things to you. It needs to make you rejoice in what God has saved you from. And it ought to challenge your heart to witness to everybody that you can because the reality is we all leave this world and there's only two places that we can spend eternity. It's important because what happens is then you end up in the days that we're in because many churches will not or choose not to even speak on these subjects and teach on these subjects. They don't know what the Bible says and therefore there's all kinds of false ideas and false doctrines that spring up because the Christians themselves have not been taught what the Word of God says about these subjects. So I don't approach the subject this morning with a cheerful heart. Matter of fact, I approach it with a very grave heart. But I believe it's absolutely vital if you're here and you're a Christian, you need to understand what the Bible teaches and not what man says about it. And if you're here and you're unsaved, you need to be able to at least make a conscious decision. Know what you're choosing between when you're choosing for your eternity. The first passage I want to read is the one that we have been looking at for this series thus far in Revelation chapter 21. 
If you'd like to stand to honor the reading of God's Word, we'll begin there in verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Father, we commit ourselves into your hands once again this morning. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word. Help us to grasp and understand that which you would have for us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've seen a beautiful picture of these first seven verses, and we spent about six sermons looking at the different things that the Bible taught us about this place called heaven. But then we turned our attention to verse 8. And here he's speaking of the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars. They shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I propose that by the time that we get to the end, that you grasp and understand just exactly what this is. They will have their part. Those that are believers will be with God, will be in heaven. We looked at all those various things that, uh, that we dealt with concerning heaven, and we came to a final conclusion that heaven is a perfectly prepared place for a perfectly prepared people. And it can't get any more perfect. And that's what God has in store for every believer today. But what about the unbeliever? And we began to look last, last week. And we said that what we want to realize is that hell is just as much a reality as this place called heaven. But we want to look at it according to, to God's Word and what God has to say on this subject. And we began last week with looking into the Old Testament. And I made a number of comments, and I talked about all the times. As a matter of fact, I, I went back and thought later, the one thing I really should clarify this morning, I talked about some of the things, you know, the, all the references, some 160 references in the Bible on that. But the thing is, that's all the references to it. I don't want to mislead and misguide. But we looked at this matter. Sheol is the only word in the Old Testament, the only Hebrew word that is translated hell in your Bible. It's used a total of 65 times in the Old Testament. 31 of those times it's translated as hell. 
31 times it's translated as the grave, and three times it's translated as pit. It's all the same word in the Hebrew, in the originals. It's all Sheol. And the thing that we grasp and understand is that Sheol is a place of the dead. It's an unseen state that we have not seen yet. And that's what the word literally means. And we saw that that word in the Old Testament, that word Sheol, that appears as hell in our Bibles, that appears as grave in our Bibles, that it is absolutely clear that it's much more than just the grave in the dirt out there. We find that there was a place called Sheol. There was a place there that had torment and pain for those of the unrighteous, and there was a place of peace and comfort for the righteous. Those things were clearly seen, even though God had not given a clear picture of all that either one of those places held for us. Keeping that in mind, it's important if we are to understand, if you're not to be led astray, because some people... There are errors. Some people will say that Sheol is just the grave. They haven't looked at all the Bible says. It is the grave. It is the unseen state. It is beyond this life. But it's very much a conscious state beyond this life. We find that as we look into the New Testament, we find that there are three words, three words that are given to you that are translated as hell in the New Testament. Now, I'm going to look at the first one you'll find just a few pages back in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. And notice what the Word of God says here in verses 4 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that, have, that, sh that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteousness and soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He's using these illustrations. He said, look at God's judgment upon those in the earth. Look at what God did to the city of Sodom. Look at what God did to this earth when, when Noah pleaded and preached for 120 years, but nobody would listen to him. Look at God's judgment that he brought. If God take these angels and their special sin, and if he cast them down into this place called hell, delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The word that's translated hell there in your Bibles is tartaru, tartarus. Tartarus is the place. Tartaru is the verb. This is the only place that is used in all of Scripture. And tartaru literally means to assign to Tartarus, to incarcerate is the term that we use when we lock somebody away in prison, in jail, in chains. 
It's speaking literally here of the place where those angels with their special sin, where they have been confined to be reserved unto judgment. It's described as pits of darkness. This is the place here, the one time that is used in Scripture. This is the place that those demons were pleading to be cast into the, to the swine instead of being cast into this pit where they, this, these were being consigned until judgment one day. So we know one thing. We know with absolute certainty that there is a place. And remember, this is our first object here, just like we did with heaven. The first thing we want to see from Scripture, because there are many today that will tell you that hell is not a literal place. They will say that it's some kind of an imagination. Many will say that it's something that the church developed hundreds of years after Jesus Christ left this earth to try to put people into fear, to try to get people into submission, to do what they wanted to do. I'm saying, you can be led astray by a lot of those things. What does the Bible say? Here in the New Testament, there is one word that the translators translated hell in your Bible that literally means a pit, a place to be incarcerated, a place to be bound. And that's where these angels are, and that's where they still are because that's where they are awaiting the judgment one day. That will become clearer soon. But the second word that we want to look at in Scripture in the New Testament is this word Hades. Hades. Now, in the New Testament, in the Greek, it's used a total of 11 times in the New Testament. Ten times it's translated as hell, and one time it's translated as grave. We start to see some similarities. Why was Sheol translated in some place as hell and some place as the grave? Why is this word Hades translated in some places as hell and in some places as the grave? Also, the literal word means the unseen world. What was it that Sheol meant? Or unseen state. This word means the unseen world, the underworld, the region of departed souls. Sheol meant the place of the dead, the region of the departed souls. Very familiar when we look at what these words mean, and, and we find that Hades, in fact, was exactly what Sheol was in the Old Testament in a different language. Our primary emphasis, I want you to grasp and establish, is Hell, first of all, before we try to figure out anything about hell and what it is, is it really a place? Do we need to even be concerned with it? What does Scripture say about this place called Hades? That's translated as hell. Because, see, this is what some of the scholars would tell you is that it's been wrongly translated because of what it means, that it should not have been translated as hell in your Bible. And, folks... A lot of the new Bibles have, revered, have removed it in a lot of places because it's nowhere near as controversial to translate it as grave. But when it's used as grave, it's used more. And we'll come to understand, hopefully, some of the, the significance of that. What I want you to know is from Scripture alone, forget all the Bible scholars on whatever side of the, the realm that they might be on out there, is hell a real place according to the Word of God? Well, 
In Matthew chapter 16, I want to just give you the verses, and you decide for yourself this morning, is it a real place or not? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus Christ, speaking these words, he said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church that I am building. Now, we can get into a lot of things there. What is he talking about? The gates of hell shall not prevail. Some believe that he's pointing to that time, which we'll look at later, when he descended into the lower parts and set those captives free, that the gates of hell couldn't prevail against him. But many believe also it's just as much a reality that you and I in Jesus Christ, hell cannot prevail against us because just as we heard this morning, when God gets us, he's got us. Hell cannot prevail against us. Hades cannot prevail against us. And we will see the reality of that in a moment as we look at another passage. But I want you to see, secondly, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 23, and I won't read both places because it's also the same account is repeated in Luke chapter 10, verse 15. But in Matthew chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus speaking again. And thou, Capernaum. You see, in one place, he's talking about the very gates of hell is not going to be able to hold the church. Here, he's talking to a group, a whole people, a whole town. Thou Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven. They were exalting themselves because they thought they were a grand lot of people. Shall be brought down to hell, Hades. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Jesus' words recording the judgment that is being placed upon this group of people in this place called Capernaum because of their sin is that they would be thrust down into Hades, this place called hell. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 23, actually we'll We'll read this verse, and we'll come back to it in a minute. But I'm just going straight through the Bible here. In Luke chapter 16, verse 23, And in hell, Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. We'll come back to this. But Jesus, again, the one that's speaking here, he is speaking of the rich man. In hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Now, you'll notice that in all the Gospels, in all the recordings of this place called hell, all of those words thus far have been spoken by one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. While he was here in his ministry, he spoke of it. Well, then Jesus Christ established his church, and it was there on the day of Pentecost that that church was empowered with the Holy Spirit. And it was there, as Peter was preaching, the very first message recorded after the Lord went back to heaven. Notice what Peter says in his message in Acts chapter 2 and verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Hades, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. 
Now, in fact, Peter is quoting here, if you back up to verse 25, for David speaketh concerning him, and he's going back, and he's actually quoting the psalmist, David, from Psalm chapter 16 and verse 10, when David said, Lord, thou wilt not leave my soul in Sheol. When he quotes him and he brings it into the Greek in the New Testament, Lord, thou wilt not leave my soul in Hades. The same word when he was quoting it. It was talking about the same place. God records that Sheol and Hades are the same place. Sheol was the Hebrew term for it. Hades was the New Testament term for it. Verse 31 of this same sermon. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. He said, David was prophesying, Lord, I know you're not going to leave my soul in that place called Hades or that place called Sheol. But Lord, he's saying here that that prophecy was fulfilled in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that what David knew that his soul wouldn't be left in Hades, that it wasn't left there because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Seeing this before, what he said before, was speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his soul would not be left in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption. Notice the distinction there between the soul and between the flesh. I believe that's vital as we continue to, to look through God's Word. Notice that the next place that we find it is in 1 Corinthians, and ironically, it's the chapter that many times we call the great resurrection chapter in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the next time that we see this verse recorded. Notice what he says, and we read this probably almost Almost every time that a saint dies and goes to be with the Lord, this is one of the passages that we turn to. He says in verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only place that Hades is translated as grave instead of hell. O grave, where is thy victory? Is the same word. O Hades, where is thy victory? He's speaking of the body and the soul, death and Hades. Again, it's important that we understand there is a distinction between the dead body, the dead flesh that's laying in the soil out there, and the soul that leaves that body. And where is it at? It's not out there in that soul. It's not out there in what we call the grave. It's in that place. Here, being referred to as Hades. And then all the other four remaining Times that it's translated are translated in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 1, the first time that we see it there, it is again being spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. When it says, I, Jesus, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of 
hell and of death, of Hades and of death. That distinction being drawn again. Look over just a few chapters in chapter 6 and in verse 8. And the word of God says this, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell, Hades, followed with him. Here's death sitting on a pale, pale horse. This is when the, 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 the fourth seal is being opened. And here comes death riding on this pale horse. And hell, Hades, followed with him. We find that if you look just a few chapters further in Revelation chapter 20, you find the final two places that this word is given to you in the Bible. In verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead. Death and Hades delivered up the dead. The dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And then the next time, in the next verse, and death and hell, Hades, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You see, that was what he sold us in our, in our reading that we read there in, 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 uh, in chapter 21 earlier that follows right after this. He says there in verse 15 that, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell. Death, the body, the flesh, that which is dead in the grave, and hell, Hades, that place where the soul is, the body and the soul were cast into the lake of fire. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The only contrast in Scripture besides the new heaven that is coming down is those unbelievers which burneth with fire and brimstone again, which is the second death. The same thing is said back there in verse 14, which is the second death. We hear that term. What does it mean? Only the unbeliever experiences the second death. You see, we all, it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment the thing is, we all die that first time. But the Bible makes clear distinction if we'll just read it and look at what it's saying and look at what it's showing us, is that when we die, there is a place that this flesh goes, that this body goes, even if it's in the sea, this body goes somewhere, and that's death. This body has died. But the soul is on. We have already established that just as sure as heaven is a real place, it is a present promise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't. We understand. I got a whole list of all those unbelieving things that, that are unscriptural things that people try to put on us as far as this intermediate stage that we go into and whatnot, folks. When we leave this world, our body, our flesh, goes to the grave, but our soul. Is either in the presence of the Lord or the only other place which is not the presence of the Lord, which is what is defined here in Scripture as Hades. Hades is that place. How descriptive can we get? Boy, <laughs> that was just my introduction. Luke chapter 16. Let me give you this, and so we'll close this morning, and 
It'll be waiting for us after Christmas. <laughs> in Luke chapter 16, I'm going to read this passage in closing, and it's where we'll come back to when we come back. There was a certain rich man. Now, I want you, some people say this is a parable. There is no biblical scriptural basis for that. The Bible tells us when it's giving us a parable. Nowhere in Scripture where a parable is given, nowhere does it give people's names. Nowhere does it like here. There was a certain rich man. He was a real man. He was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fair and sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. There was a certain man. He was, it existed. He was a man and his name was Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. This rich man, this rich man that was a real man, a man that was living, that had all the wondrous things of this world, but he didn't have time for that poor beggar, but he lifted up his eyes, being in torment in this place called Hades. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. It wasn't the same. <laughs> Hades, they're both in Hades. They weren't in the same place there. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things and now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You can't get from one side to the other in there. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that we may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. At that time, Moses and the prophets was the Old Testament. Let them hear them. Let them listen to what God has said. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Folks, we will come back to this, but let me say this. I shared with you last week there are a lot of stories out there. And there's no point in trying to judge what's real and what's not. Some people say they have visited heaven and come back. And some people say they have visited hell and come back. You say, preacher, do you believe that? I say, well, I've got my serious doubts. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. Because what they have experienced has nothing to do with my eternity and my reality and what I'm basing my life on. It's what the Word of God says. And that, in essence, is what the Bible is saying here. Hey, look. If they won't take God's word on it, why are they going to listen to the experience of some man that says he's been here? It doesn't matter. I shared with you a personal testimony. 
of an uncle of mine that heard the gospel all of his life and rejected the gospel all of his life and had one of the godliest wives that you could ever see on this earth and he went out of this world screaming because he said he could feel the flames of hell. Does that make me believe in hell anymore? No. No, it was a horrible thing to hear. But the Word of God is what we have to base it upon. And we're going to come back and see what the Word... We need to know what God said. Whatever people say and whatever people experience, do you realize? Remember, your heart is deceitful above all things. There's nobody that can fool you and deceive you as good as you can yourself. We want to understand there are only two eternal abiding places. And here's one thing, and it just points out the reality of it. You see, if you're like this rich man, if you're the one that when you take your lost, last heartbeat, listen, I'm not trying to frighten you into something. I want you to realize you're going to make the decision. And if you choose hell over heaven, you need to realize if you walk out that door, if you live one more heartbeat without knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's what can lie ahead of you. That's what does lie ahead of you without Jesus Christ. That's not trying to scare you into submission. That's trying to be real. You better make a decision based on the facts. Heaven, hell. There's no other abiding places for eternity, and we want to establish that from the Word of God. I want you to know it, because if you're a child of God, you need to be able to stand upon the truth and know it because God, God's Word teaches it and not be ashamed of it. Nobody, nobody thinks hell is a nice place. But I want you to know that it's real, and I want you to realize today, because, see, really, everything that we've looked at so far, both of them, both of them are immediate. We saw that with heaven, didn't we? It was immediate upon death. The rich man and Lazarus. Everything that we've read in Scripture so far, it was an immediate place when they left this world. Death and hell. Death and hell. The grave, the soul. The body and the soul. They were both in a place, a real place. Hades was one of them. Now we're going to see we will see after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were some, some big changes took place in Hades. But realize this. It was not only immediate. Sheol and Hades are both intermediate places. They're called hell. Sheol and Hades, they're called hell. They're called the grave for good reason. Because it is that intermediate stage. The only intermediate stage. The body. The body will die. And it'll lay there dead until that resurrection. But the soul lives on forever. There is the intermediate stage between now and then is only that the body is waiting for the resurrection. And what did he say there? You see, for the believer, there's the one death. Because when you're resurrected, your body's going to be changed in the moment, the twinkling of eye. We've already looked at all of that, how he's going to prepare us to where we're going to be just like him. We don't face death anymore. But they faced death the first time. Their soul is in this intermediate place called Hades. But one day, death and hell, that's what he just read there, death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And the next step, one of the men wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Is it going to be the judgment seat of the Lamb? Is it going to be the great white throne? All they that were not written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. We're going to see, oh, hell, is a very real place if you're going to believe the Word of God. Man hasn't made it up. 
But we find that everything that we've seen thus far is what happens immediately. It's still not the eternal abiding place. That's where I want you to grasp. We'll be looking at this place called Gehenna, the other place that's translated hell. And I want you to grasp and understand the second death is because all those that died once and went to Hades, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They're going to experience a second death when they're cast into Gehenna, which is the eternal abiding place of all unbelievers. Father, you know our hearts, Lord. This is <laughs> it's certainly not an easy subject to preach on, but we need to, Lord. People need to understand and know the truth. We can avoid it. We can sidetrack it because it's not comfortable, because it's not nice. Lord, we're not, we're not doing people any favors. We need to understand the reality, not just people's experiences and people's ideas. We need to know what you teach us on these things. You know the hearts of everyone here this morning. I just pray earnestly, Lord. Lord, I know many others, just like Brother Daniel, that it was coming face to face with the reality of where his sins was going to take him to that brought him to the point of calling out to God for forgiveness because he wanted those sins dealt with. Father, some of us here, it might have been the love of God that drew us. There's different things that draws different people, but you know here today, if there's anyone here that's never truly been born again, I can only pray earnestly, Lord, that you would deal with their hearts, that you would draw them today, that they would humble themselves and seek that forgiveness that can only come through Jesus Christ and for every believer. Help us, Lord. Help us to deal with the uncomfortable, the not-so-nice things. Help us to deal with what's probably the worst thing we could ever possibly imagine, but help us to see it's real. And Jesus spent much time speaking about it himself when he was here upon this earth, and it was warnings to help us today to grasp and understand that, help us to appreciate more what you've given to us in that place we've already looked at called heaven, and help us to understand the urgency whether it's our spouses or our children or our parents or our uncles or our aunts or our cousins, whether it's our next-door neighbors or whether it's the person, Lord, that we don't even know that we meet on the street, Lord, the urgency of their sins being dealt with, of them not being as this rich man, of waking up, being in torment. Do what you can only do today in the hearts of each and every one of us. Help us to leave here with a greater zeal, to share the Jesus that we're talking about being born this Christmas season. The purpose that he came was to die for us, to pay the sin price for us so that we would not have to perish, that we could have eternal life. Help us to proclaim that message loud and clear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.